This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to By the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and with me, as always, is my fellow enjoyer of complicated stories, Sharmila Ganesan. Hello. And uh, joining us for this month's book club, we have no fancy introduction, just <laughs> our friend Hanif Baharuddin. Hello, thanks for having me again. So, um, Hanif is joining us today to talk about Karina Robles Bahrain's The Accidental Malay. Uh, we did interview Karina actually earlier in the year, um, ahead of the book being published, and that was in conjunction with the fact that The Accidental Malay did win the 2022 Epigram Books Fiction Prize. Uh, and now we're finally reading it and I guess discussing what it's about, what the fuss was about in some ways. So I'll start us off simply by saying that um, it's quite a simple summary, actually. So The Accidental Malay tells the story of Jasmine Leong, who is a, a scion of Phoenix, uh, which is a company that has interests in a number of things, including most notably Bakwa um, or how do you... What? Pork jerky? Pork jerky, I suppose, yeah. Um, but are attempting to diversify even further into things like property and, and stuff like that. Uh, she has been having an affair with a Malay man for a number of years um, and one that is especially difficult to reckon with because they care for one another, but also the issue of race and religion has always kept them apart. And through the course of the book, she finds out something about herself and her identity, which ends up shaking everything. And that's it. I think we can say it, right? It's in the synopsis. It's in the title. Yeah, and it's in the... <laughs> so essentially, she finds out that she may be Malay Muslim, um, at least in the way in which uh, we define it in Malaysia, what you're registered as and so on. And she so was forth. born to Malay Muslim parents. Yeah, so that's, that's essentially where this leaves us. And for me, this premise was super interesting because I think it strikes at the heart of um, a lot of issues that we talk about here, right? In terms of faith, choice, um, how we define ourselves. But what was particularly interesting for me with this book was everything about it from the cover um, to the way it starts, to the way Jasmine, the, the main character, is described, the way she speaks, feels so much like it's from, uh, I'm just going to say it, the, the chiclet genre, that I didn't expect that it would take on some of these sort of darker, more difficult, complex themes. Um, and so for me, that was actually quite a pleasant surprise that to, to read a book that takes a, a genre that I think is often associated with being light or a sense of fun flippancy um, and then kind of turns it on its head. It, it was a very rewarding read for me. There are some issues with it which we can get into later, but overall I enjoyed reading this book very much. Um, I think this is my first ever exposure to something like this. Um, I'm not familiar with the chiclet genre and I think to a certain extent I think I was a bit confused as well. Um, it's definitely, it, it feels, it feels um, there are things with it that I'm, that's definitely new to me. So so I'm like struggling to, I guess, um, deal with the fact that um, the description of things can be very, I guess, close, intimate and quite personal as well. But that's that's not, not there's nothing against the book. It's just my, my, I guess, exposure, my reading exposure prior to, I guess, reading this book. And I'm glad that I actually, um, I guess, get exposed to this book in that sense, right? So so that's, that's, that's something very new to me. I like how, I guess, real and close to home, some of the things that were described in this book, uh, in this book, I guess, um, it feels very personal. It feels very personal. It feels very close to home as well. Um, and I, I, um, I, I, I 
I guess applaud the 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 author for that. I mean, it's, it's it tackles issues that I think are very, uh, I guess, relevant in this day and age, especially um, within this girl. Yeah. So I really liked the accidental Malay. I wanted to say upfront that I enjoyed the read. Uh, at times, it did stress me out. <laughs> I have to say that I needed some short breaks uh, occasionally, and I think that that has to do with what. I do for a living when I'm not, you know, talking books and film, which is to say that, you know, it's covering Malaysia's political scene. It's covering a fair amount of conversations that circle the stuff that's being brought up in the book. And I was like, oh, okay, it's getting heavy. And and I wanted to say that also because it's important to get there when you have like a glossy cover and um, a woman who is going through some career crises, some romantic crises, again, it's very easy to look at it and go, okay, so there are certain familiarities here with what we think of as as chiclet or as uh, lighter fiction, right? And in fact, it was pretty early on, I think, that I started to recognize that despite the fact that the book has many moments of humor, that it is rather light and, and there are moments of sheer... Um, fun and wittiness actually through its pages, that it's actually also making some arguments and presenting some points about life in Malaysia that are difficult, that are heavy. And to your point, Hanif, about personalness, I think that the book succeeds most when it brings the political into the personal and not the other way around. And and I think that that's something that happens because the book actually does have these two halves, right? In some ways, it's about what's happening external to our main character. And in other ways, it's about how her identity is impacting her relationships. I think the latter was more successful for me. I understand why you needed to take breaks. Um, I didn't need to, but um, in fact, if anything, I found the, the book super engaging in the sense that I could just like, I really wanted to know what was going to happen next. But I want to actually stress here that ultimately I've arrived at the point that this book is almost a little bit of a fake out. Like it's not chick lit at all. And that's because at least for me in the end of the book, I was left feeling sad and and heavy and frustrated and you know a whole bunch of emotions that you're not supposed to leave uh, this sort of a book with right um, and I think for me that's actually this book's success it may not be the most pleasant thing to carry away but I think the success of this book is in maybe capturing some of those difficulties um, that people will feel that people do feel in real life when they're faced with these questions of what am I willing to give up uh, to be with somebody? Or uh, what does it mean to live in a country where certain things, certain freedoms are not necessarily available to everyone? Um, yeah, and, and that for me was actually quite a difficult feeling to sit with. It took me a while after I read the book to shake it off even. So I completely get, Lynn, why you felt like you needed to take breaks. Mm, yeah, I, okay, I, I mean, despite not being familiar with the, I guess, personal side of the book, I find it quite engaging as well. It's something that's very new to me. But I am not as, I guess, um, impressed with the politics of the book. And that's not to say anything bad, I guess, regarding the way it was written. It's just that I feel like it doesn't resonate, it doesn't really resonate with me at this point in my life. Um, only because I've, I guess... Um, it's a bit personal, but I, I feel like I've outgrown those themes, I suppose. Yeah, I can imagine it being very um, resonant for people who are still struggling with these things, I suppose. But I guess I'm at that stage in my life where I've I've looked at it from a different perspective and I've out, 
outgrown the quote unquote the, the the some of the struggles, or rather look at it in a, in a slightly different way, um, slightly more nuanced way. I don't want to sound pretentious, but slightly more nuanced way of I guess approaching the politics of of the book. Uh, I feel like some characters were caricaturized a bit and it felt almost satirical but I can understand the spirit of of one of I guess wanting to to imitate life right one way or another but at the same time it feels very uh, maybe stereotypical for me personally yeah so just to I guess get at that a little bit more right because there are a number of characters that populate the book. Uh, Jasmine is, of course, the main one, but Jasmine interacts with a, a fair amount of people through the course of the book, some more intimately than others. Some, however, only come in as as basically batu api, like, you know, straight up, that, that's just their role. <laughs> and so, so it really depends how much we get to know the various characters. But in broad strokes, I think that the just to say it, the Chinese characters are perhaps more finely drawn and more nuanced uh, than the Malay characters. And, and I put it this way, not because they are in opposition to one another, but simply because those are the two central poles of the book, right? Um, on the one hand, you have somebody who has always identified as a Chinese person, um, who lives her life as a Chinese person in Kuala Lumpur and in Ipoh. And on the flip side of that, you have that same person now being quote-unquote claimed. Um by people who are Malay Muslim. And so because of that, that's why it's kind of easy to see an opposition. And that could be a reason as to why the Malay characters are more, um, more broad strokes and less nuanced. But I don't think that is enough of a reason, perhaps. Um, I agree, actually. For me, I did feel like the the Malay characters in particular were used to embody tropes and to kind of hammer home... Embody ideas, Ideas, right? yeah, yeah, political points, right? A, a certain ideologies. Each of those characters represent a very particular type of Malay person. That's it, though. Going back to your point, Lynn, about how the book uh, is much more successful in, in being political in the personal. When you come down to the personal level, uh, for instance, Iskandar, who is the man that uh, Jasmine is in love with, when you come down to their personal interactions, uh, when you come down to personal interactions with other um, Malay Muslim characters that Jasmine then comes into contact with, I think those work really well. Agreed. Because then they become a little bit more complex. It's less about like embodying an ideology and more about just, hey, you know what? People are you know, respond to things differently. These are the structures within which they operate. And then this is how it manifests in their personal lives. Mm. I think that is a lot more relatable than when it becomes a little bit more big picture and a little bit more like this person represents this political party. And then it starts feeling a little tropey. Yeah, Tengku Mahmud is also a bit of a um, tropey character, I feel, because he represents that, um, I guess, urban middle, upper middle class character that somehow is an ally to Jasmine as well. And okay, to be fair, there are moments when the, um, I mean, the author actually tried to, I guess, um, bring up these stereotypes. But my problem with it is that it wasn't challenged. And that's the, like, I was like, oh, thinking, oh, maybe it's also, it's also down to my expectation as well. I was, I, was, I was expecting something that's a bit more, I guess, philosophical as well for, for you know, the characters have philosophical conversation about what is it, what, um, what about identity and things like that. But it feels like the author is a bit more, I guess, uh, settles at trying to just raise this stereotype without actually challenging them or having other characters or other moments in the book to challenge these stereotypes. You know, leaving certain characters, um, I guess, seen in a, in a very, like, you know, one-dimensional way, I suppose. Yeah. 
On the flip side of that, um, Jasmine has some difficult conversations with a parental figure. Um, And this person, I thought, despite the fact that uh, they also somewhat embody uh, the, the issues that we're talking about, the difficulties in the conversation, the the starts and stops, the undercurrents of what was happening in their exchanges, that I, I felt were, rang very true to me. And this is what I'm trying to get at with the book, that aside from the fact that the the larger story is propulsive and enjoyable, that the political um, the political commentary on our country when it is political, was less interesting and less nuanced than when it was when it was left to the level of personal conversations. In other words, between Jasmine and uh, and this person from her past, between Jasmine and um, and her lover, and those sorts of things, I thought did as effective a job as anything else as the the picketing and the riots that, that do happen. Um, you know, in drawing out the the controversy of Jasmine's existence and the way she chooses to live her life. Anyway, uh, we are today talking about The Accidental Malay by Karina Robles-Bahrin, which won the Epigram Fiction Prize 2022. Um, We'd like to hear from you. Have you read it? Uh, Are the book's themes things that you are interested in uh, when it comes to fiction in particular? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM. 89.9. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. We are joined today by Hanif Baharudin, who is book clubbing together uh, with us, The Accidental Malay by Karina Robles-Bahrin. Okay, I wanted to talk about the writing because we've spent a lot of time talking about the book's themes. And, you know, we're Malaysian. The book is very much about (laughs) race and religion. This was to be expected. But I wanted to talk about the writing because... I loved the writing. I thought that this was such a well-written book. I loved the writing. I loved how it manages to be both light and fluffy. And then there are certain parts where she talks about um, having her heart broken or the finality of a relationship ending. And then the the, the turns of phrases that the, mm. the author manages to pluck out are unusual and like really sharp. And yeah, no, there's just something about the writing that felt both very accessible, but also very... Um, well crafted. It's it's not done, it's not done flippantly. It's all done very intentionally. Yeah, I agree. Um, sometimes when it comes to I guess um, analyzing how things are written, sometimes you know some authors like to use very, um, I guess difficult prose. Sometimes and, and it gets a bit. Um, sometimes you tend to, especially for me because you know English is not my first language. I tend to sometimes read sentences, few sentences like multiple times, just to get the gist of the the meaning behind what they're trying to convey. Um, this is definitely uh, an easy read, and I think an easy read that's also very accessible. Um, like definitely. Um, um, easy to, to to understand and easy to just digest and and I guess um, um, and and make sense of I guess to a certain extent. Uh, I like also the pacing of the story. It's it's quite. Um, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but things are pretty pace wise quite fast. Yeah, they uh, just like they move along yeah. really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because I know sometimes on on one hand I do expect things to I guess simmer a bit and to a certain extent I think the first part, half of the of the book takes it a bit of its time, but the second part of the book feels I like the pace that that it moves at, at a certain pace, pace that's pretty fast, but at the same time I feel like it might be rushing a bit here and there. Yeah, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I think that has to do with the fact that the first half of the book spends a lot of time laying the groundwork for the relationships, which, again, I think were well done. So um, 
in order for the book to have the emotional resonance and impact that it does have at the end, and, and I did feel uh, quite moved by the ending, I think you need to believe in the relationships. And to do that, I suppose that's where the ground laying and the slightly slower pace at the uh, at the beginning might have come in. I, I think that the book... Um, I liked the pace of it mostly because uh, I, I think that we slowed down on the emotional beats when we needed to and we sped up through the uh, the boardroom talk, which is never going to be my favourite. You know? <laughs> so like when we're talking about mergers... I was and, like, am I supposed to remember who owns how many percentage and what this means when you acquire something? Yeah. But then Karina tells us yes. what it means and I'm like, okay, thank goodness. <laughs> I, I don't have to retain that. Um, so I... For me, the pacing the pacing worked, but I do recognize that it does change and shift, especially and, and maybe why it feels um, why why it's particularly noticeable is because the second half of the book is actually the tougher half. It's where a lot of the more difficult stuff surfaces, and then that's when it's also moving faster. So maybe that's why it feels that way. To your point about turns of phrase, Sharmila, I uh, I felt the same. There was a description of rain. I think at one point that I thought was just lovely, um, slicing across the sky, I believe the phrase was. And there were also moments where she wrote about the experience of living alone mm. and of wanting to be with somebody else, but also maybe not, maybe not wanting to. And and having that push and pull was nice. I also like it, frankly, when Malaysian authors write Malaysian characters who sound like people I know, which is not always the case. I think dialogue, uh, we, we've spoken about this before, can sometimes be a bit of a stumbling block. And so in this case, while yes, everybody is mostly very urban and very recognisable, I thought they sounded like Malaysians I knew. They 100% sounded like Malaysians I knew. I could... I could imagine who these people were, you know, the and moment where they live and where they live, how they might dress, where they might hang out, which is great, right? Because you, the last thing you want is to read a book set in a city that you're intimately familiar with, and none of these people feel like they're from this place. Um, so that part was really nice. Um, which brings me to actually the thing that is probably my favorite thing about the book, which is the character of Jasmine herself, because I think a lot of the, um. A lot of the less successful part of the novel, for me, were completely elevated by the fact that I liked Jasmine so much. And and I liked her not because she's a perfect character. I think it's because she's an unapologetic character. And she's also a character that's complicated, that has her own flaws. And the journey that she goes through in this book for me was, I think, quite poignant. This whole... Struggling with belonging, never feeling like she quite belonged. And then that kind of escalating to a point where even the things that she did think were her identity being almost taken away from her. I felt like that journey she went on was really quite something. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely feel like uh, when it comes to Jasmine, um, you're right. I, I don't think she's a perfect character, but she's unapologetic. And I think that that's what makes her um, an interesting character to follow through. <laughs> yeah, I like Kevin too, by the way. Oh, Kevin's, oh great. Kevin's great. The characters in general were quite enjoyable, uh, particularly those within Jasmine's inner circle. Um, so Jasmine herself, and it's very important because 
A, a fair amount of the novel is actually about why Jasmine is the way she is and why she chooses to make the decisions she does. And very often, it's not even an external thing. Um, you know, towards the end of the book, there are moments where she's just like, you know what, I was angry, so I wanted to do it, and then I did it. And I I appreciated that, again, we have this imperfect character, but also that we know her well enough at this point to say, yeah, of course you would. And she's a good character to spend time with. I, I think that that was the main thing for me. She felt like a real complex person, uh, a real living, breathing character, uh, somebody that I've, again, felt I knew. And so I really liked spending time with her. Having said that, the people around her, your um, your Iskandas, your Kevins, your Kuan Yus, your Auntie Ruths and Auntie Treasures, um, all of them I actually enjoyed. And again, I felt like, yeah, um, none of you are perfect. All of you have your own secrets and your motivations and, and your reasons for doing things. But actually, uh, all of you are fundamentally, I think, believable. And that's an important thing for a book that has such, in some ways, high and elevated stakes. Uh, I did want to close off on, when we spoke off air, um, Hanif, you mentioned the word satire. Mm-hmm. And since um, since I just said elevated, I thought, why not? Um, because this book, while feeling very grounded in some ways, is also an escalated version in some in some others of Malaysia. How do we feel about that? I liked it. Um, I thought that's part of what made this book work, right? The story of it. I I didn't think that it worked entirely all the time. Um, Again, as we said at the start, some of it feels a bit too broad. Uh, Some of it feels tonally like it doesn't always fit. But I thought for a story like this... um, if you're a Malaysian reader, I feel like a lot of the stuff will immediately, like you know what they mean when they make a reference to a particular kind of minister or a particular kind of uh, party MP. person or an MP. <laughs> uh, and so I think it does add to the flavour of the book. Mm, I personally am not a fan. I, I, I feel like I've, uh, like I said earlier, um, I've outgrown these things. Or rather, my, my approach towards it have, have I guess, differed throughout, throughout the years. So um, I feel like it's, a bit tiring to 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 see you know various versions of this and to see it uh yeah being written this way feels a bit like oh okay I mean it's easy it's it's a, it's a bit of a, like an easy choice to 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 jump and assess a bit everything in a very satirical way I suppose as opposed to I guess tackling it in a different way one way or another not to say I don't like the book but it's just that I'm a bit tired by a more uh, I guess uh, satirical take on 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 situations here. For me, it comes down to uh, the point I made earlier, which is the balancing between the personal and the public. And so while the public stuff sometimes felt more heightened, um, you know, versions of stuff that we've seen happen, that was balanced out to me by the very personal, intimate conversations and difficulties that Jasmine had with the people that she actually had relationships with. And I I liked that version of exploring race and religion in Malaysia, not just how what it means for us philosophically or as a nation, but what it could mean for individuals, right? And why individuals then end up making the choices that they do. All of which makes it sound very um, stodgy. And it's not. It's a fun book. Um, and that's what we've been discussing today. It is Karina Robles Bahrain's The Accidental Malay, which also won the 2022 Epigram Books Fiction Prize, uh, for which we spoke to Karina earlier this year. If you wanted to check out that interview, you can. Um, let us know, have you read The Accidental Malay? Do you enjoy reading books like this? Um you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at bythebook at bfm.my.
us to footnotes. So I think uh, for this edition of footnotes, what we wanted to focus on in brief was the idea of genre, particularly the genre of chiclet, because it's something that we mentioned at the start of our review in particular, or the start of our book club. And the thing is that Sharmila and I both think and agree that this is really not chiclet. In some ways, this is a sneak attack. Like it looks mm-hmm. like chiclet and then it turns out to not be. So we thought this would be a good time to talk about what exactly do we mean? How do we define the term chiclet? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I'm just going to jump in, Hanif, since you you openly said you're not familiar with the genre. Yeah, I'm not familiar at all. Please. Uh, I suppose you it, it basically has a woman as a central character. Um, it often has this whole idea of a, a, a journey that she goes on. There's a conflict that's presented, usually some kind of tussle between romance and career and ambitions. Um, and fundamentally, I think what makes it chiclet is a tone thing, right? More than... Because you could argue... Gone Girl is also about the story of a woman. But um, with with Chiclet, I think it's a tone. There's a breeziness, there's a lightness of tone. Even when you talk about difficult existential things, ultimately it's meant to leave you feeling good and not bereft. Wait, so the drama is not actually part of Chiclet? Like the actual heavy drama that we that we saw in, in, in uh, the SNL Malay? Not to that level, which is exactly why at a very particular point, I was like, oh, this cover is a lie. <laughs> this is not a Chiclet book at all. It's going to like actually make me sad. Basically, they're literary rom-coms, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that, that there must be a certain element of lightness, of breeziness, of your brain being able to take a break and say, it's fine, doesn't matter. Just let your heart float away on the story and know that it's going to head towards a happy ending. That is generally the, I think, the the central appeal of Chiclet, that you get to enjoy reading while also knowing that the perils are within a safe space. It's like contained. Um, in a way that even YA, for example, doesn't do anymore, because even YA will take you to, to more dangerous places, mm. I think, than Chiclet is technically supposed to go. None of which is to denigrate the genre. I think that it's it's actually very fun and in many ways a, a great way to keep a reading habit going because you don't have to invest, I think, so much of yourself in it. But the best of both worlds then is when you can have a book like this where there's a certain lightness of touch that belies Chiclet while talking about themes that they wouldn't necessarily go to. I found your reaction or questions about the genre, Hanif, quite interesting because certain things that I just take for granted and which don't even strike me as being unusual or odd because I'm so used to it in the genre, right? Like the way a woman might describe a man she's attracted to, you know, collarbones and jawlines and all, um, or just a, a sort of a heightened emotionality because so much of it is interior or so much of it is almost how maybe women might speak to each other or they speak to themselves in their head. And um, I don't know, like, is that a is that a tone that for you who doesn't read that genre a lot, do you need to get used to it? I haven't read the genre at all. Not, not, not a lot <laughs> at all. Uh, and yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think it's something that's a bit more 
like I said, you know, um, it, it makes me a bit uncomfortable, but only because I'm not familiar with it. So I, I was like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, obviously, I've read um, descriptions of people before, and I've, 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 <laughs> I've read how. <laughs> I've read how it was written in a personal way as well. Not to say I've never been exposed to it. It's just that the repetition and the very like the minute observations of, of you know, yeah, again jawline, uh, cheek, and everything makes me feel like oh, okay, wow, this is very descriptive, very descriptive to describe someone, you know, a person that you perhaps uh, perhaps admire and whatnot, right? So that's that's the part that I struggle to deal with, and I thought that. Is this is this the hallmark of that particular genre in general? Because because it, it feels very personal, personal, intimate to a point where I feel like I'm intrusive. I'm intru- I mean, I'm I'm a bit of an sorry. I'm intruding into into the I guess the mind of the character. You know. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> so that um, I I can't actually answer whether it's a hallmark of the genre. Firstly, because I think that this isn't chiclet. So um, <laughs> okay. so so that's one thing. But the other thing is the intruding into the mind is actually really important. Um, for conversely chiclet because in the same way as a young adult I think that very often the central character is meant to be appealing but also somebody that you can pour yourself into so so that then you can experience the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the the romantic whatnots of, of what they're going through and feel as if you're part and parcel of it. Whereas with, uh, to go back to the accidental Malay, Jasmine is too well-formed. She has too many idiosyncrasies and flaws, actually. Um, and flaws that I think not everyone is going to identify with. The point about a chiclet heroine is her flaws should be generally agreeable you know it's like oh, i like my steak well done ha 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 you know it's it's that kind of flaw um and not necessarily uh i'm going to be disrespectful to my aunt kind of flaw um kuan yu though kuan yu though is actually quite a classic chiclet character and yeah. i don't mean that as a bad thing but he's exactly he cooks for god's he sake he cooks he loves her no matter what he tucks her into bed and and you know you can kind of see a little bit of the sort of fantasy perfect man uh, trope kind of transposed there but of course again the book does it in a way that works but mm. but yeah so if if you want like a a classic love triangle where the, the the part of the triangle that's supposed to be the one to aspire to, I think Kuan Yu fits that really quite well. Is Iskandar the classic anti-hero or anti- Almost lah, I mm. think. If mm. you took away the, the too dark complexity of the religious aspect, I think so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Appealing but complicated. Mm. Mm. Um, all of which to say... If you are new to Chiclet and you would like a sort of primer on on what it's supposed to be or what it could be, I think the two things that um, we would recommend, and we we spoke about this off air, would be Pride and Prejudice and then Pride and Prejudice's great, 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 great granddaughter, Bridget Jones' diary, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and in fact, we've already told Hanif, if he's interested, those are the ones to check out. All right. I've had... um I already own uh, Pride and Prejudice, but I haven't read it yet. Um, I've watched Bridget Jones' Diary. I like the movie, but yeah, maybe I should read the I book. I have so. the book if you want to borrow it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from one Mr. Darcy to another, that's the journey <laughs> that we all want to go on. So uh, we've been spending today, firstly, book clubbing, um, The Accidental Malay, and then in our footnotes, kind of breaking down the generic conventions of chiclet in some ways and what it is, why it's appealing, we want to know. Do you like it? Uh, you can WhatsApp us. And do you have recommendations? WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my.
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.